Yesterday, we spoke about what the Chobot HaLevavot says is the Yetzir Haraz strategy to convince a person that there is no value in the service of the Creator. This that we say that an Eved Hashem a servant of Hashem is a great achievement, the Yesara tells a person that it doesn't make any sense. Why would you be an Eved to someone who doesn't need you and has no value for himself in what you do? And therefore, he tries to convince a person that being an Eved Hashem is useless. While, yes, he will agree with you that there is a deeper part of the person, there is a neshama, there is a soul, there are accomplishments that are beyond the physical reality. He already knows that you're convinced of that. But now, when it comes to utilizing your assets to build a accomplished life beyond the physical reality he says don't go there that's not one of the things go give charity go help others go save animals go save the environment go do things that are meaningful but to be a servant of Hashem that's a useless endeavor don't go there that doesn't do anything for anybody. This is the strategy of the Yetzirah. And yesterday we started to explain what's the answer. He has a good claim. What is the answer? We do know that the Creator doesn't need us. And even if God forbid He would need us, there would be nothing for us to give Him because the only thing we can give Him is what He gave us first. So, there's nothing that we can give him. So, what does it mean to be an Ebed Hashem? What's the answer to the Yitzhak's claim that he gets many, many people on this? Many people actually, they bow to this. Whether it's conscious, they consciously make this decision realizing what they're doing. And very often it's subconscious. Subconsciously, they feel empty in their avodat Hashem, in their service of Hashem. While they do mitzvot or stay away from averot, they feel an emptiness. This emptiness is created by the Yitzhara. It's an emptiness. It's a feeling that I'm not doing anything. When does a person feel empty? When he feels useless. When he feels that he's unaccomplished. So again, this strategy may be something conscious that the person consciously thought about it and said, come on, what's the value of this? What am I doing this for? What does God need this for? What does he care? Or it could be a subconscious. It could be a feeling of feeling empty when I do mitzvot and I live as an Ebed Hashem. Bottom line, 
we need to answer what is the answer to the to the Yetzirah's claim. So yesterday we spoke about the word Shema. And we said that Shema is a uh, word that has three definitions. We said it means that a person should listen. It means that a person should understand and that a person should accept. And yesterday we said that if a person reads Shema with all of its instruction and reads it in that order, listen, understand, accept, this is a road to Gainab. Again, when I say Gainab, I mean in this world. I'm not talking only in the next world. It's a road that a person, if a person uses that system of, you know how I'm going to approach Shema and things like Shema. Shema is basically the instructions of the Creator. If I'm going to listen, understand, and accept, this will be a disaster life. Disaster in many, many areas of life. Any area in life, like we said yesterday, marriage, raising children, living a life of meaning. If you're going to take that system, I'm going to listen first to what I have to do. I'm going to understand it. I'm going to accept it. This will be a disaster. Why? So we started explaining yesterday why. The first order of business the first Shema has to be to understand. Before you even listen, you have to understand. Understand what, as we explained yesterday, understand that every single person, as David, as Shlomo Amalek says, every single person in this world, no matter what they're involved in, no matter what life choice they've made, no matter what road they're on, in any area, in their eyes they feel it is the perfect road. No matter who you are, no matter what age you are, starts from a very young age, no matter who the person is, his derech in life, in his eyes is the yashar, it's perfect, that's the way to live life, that's the way you're going to accomplish, that's the way you're going to live a meaningful life. That's the way you're succeeding. So everybody on this table, everybody here in this room, everybody listening, every single person in this world, in their eyes, they have a feeling that they're on the derech. They're on the road. Again, they know on the road sometimes they make mistakes. That's human, everyone knows that. But everyone has this feeling that my way is the way. My way in any area. My way of being a husband. My way of being a wife. My way of being a child. My way of being a father. My way of being a Jew. My way of keeping Shabbat. My way of Kashrut. My way of friendships. My way of Tfilah. There's no end. My way of charity. The way I do it. The way I give it. To whom I give in every channel in life, every person is convinced in their mind without having to go through it, without having to uh, explore it, already is convinced that his way is the way. This is a reality that every human must understand. 
that no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, and no matter how unsuccessful you are, no matter how big the failure of your life is, doesn't make a difference. You will think in your mind that your way is the way. And you will look at others as off the way. Off the dead. Again, this is the normal way of every human. Starts from a little, little child. So we said yesterday, once a person understands this, problem is, why is this the first? I told you yesterday. Why is this the first order? Because if you don't understand this, no, you can never really learn from anyone. Because you will only learn what you like. You know how many times people say, Rabbi, that was a great class. It means basically, usually, usually, not always, but usually it means that they agree with you. Basically, it means that they also think that way. So, Rabbi, thank you very much. Hazaka Baruch, great class. That's usually what a great class means to the average person. Rabbi, that was great. Means, I thought the same way, and I'm happy you said it. I'm happy that you were mechaven to me, that you really agree with what I said. I appreciate that. Follow? That's normally what people mean when they say, I love the class. If you don't have this understanding before you listen, always you will see things your way. So if someone speaks to you, whether it's your father, your mother, your rabbi, it doesn't matter where, Torah. If the Torah or anyone would speak to you, you would view what they're saying as not logical. You would view what the rabbi just spoke about as off the derech. This can't be. Just like a little child. When their mother says, don't cross the street. And he says, what are you talking about? What's the problem? Why are you making my life miserable? Why are you making me suffer? I don't understand what you're saying. So much so that he didn't even bother asking. Could you explain it to me? This is the way every human would be if they don't have the first initial pasuk in their pocket. Before you start learning, know, clear, that whatever you think could be wrong, and the fact that you think is right, makes no difference. The fact that you think something is yashar is unreliable. You're not reliable. No matter what road you've taken in life, you're not reliable. You have to be convinced of that. If you're not convinced of that, you can never learn. Or let me say, you could learn only things that agree with you. You'll learn things that make sense to you. But anything that comes is not like the way you thought, you'll automatically dismiss it. You'll say, nah, that's, that's not the way. That's not my way. That's off. My father's not what he's talking about. My mother has no idea what she's saying. This rabbi, he's a little, he's a little extreme. That's what he'll say. What, what does that mean, he's extreme? Extreme in what? What exactly are we following in? You're following the same rule. 
but somehow you could dismiss it automatically without a question. Therefore, therefore, before you learn, before you set out in life, because in life, if you don't learn, you're going to fall. If you don't learn, you're going to make mistakes. But before you could even learn, you must understand this. Because if you don't understand this, you'll never learn. Or again, you'll only learn things that you already agree with. This is the way it is. The reality of life. So therefore, the first Shema means understand that no matter what you think about any area in life, you're not reliable. As much confidence as you have in your opinion, not reliable. Doesn't mean you're always wrong, but it means you're not reliable. That's the first Shema. Most people, they don't know this. And because they don't know this, they fail to go and learn about such important areas of their life. They don't even bother, like we said yesterday. Once you have this Shema clear, once this Shema is barur to you, the next Shema, now you're in a dilemma. It's a big dilemma. You got a big problem. Because no matter what you do, you realize now that it may be off. And the fact that you think it's perfect means nothing. So you could be taking a road to failure in any area in your life and you don't even know it. And the fact that you think it's good means nothing. So you're stuck. This should be the dilemma of every human. This should be the dilemma of humanity. Once I'm not reliable, so who says that I'm doing good for myself? This should be our dilemma. How do I know what's really good if I myself are not reliable? So Shalom Melech helps us. He says, that the only way you will know in life if you're on the derech in any area is you have to go and seek advice. Not wait for people to advise you. You have to go and seek someone to help you in any area. You're getting married. Go get advice. You had a child, get advice. You have your daily schedule, get advice. You have your priorities, get advice. From the smallest things to the biggest things. Because they're all important in the big picture. Get advice. Make sure you're doing it right. It's your life and your success and your future at stake. Why would you take a risk? Shomeya le'etzah. Shomeya is a person who's constantly looking to get advice. That is a hacham. The second Shema says, after I understand that I may not be correct, now I need the second Shema, which is to accept. <coughs> accept what? I must accept the advice of someone that I choose 
for that area. Why did I say except? Because it's possible that the person that's advising you will say something that you don't agree with. If you're going to not accept the person before he talks to you, chances are whatever he says you may not like. Or again, you'll go to an advisor that will say what you like. What does that help you? You need to find the right person, which we'll get into in a minute. Once you find the right person, you have to accept the person. You have to make Kabel accept that person for his etzah. Shomeyat le'etzah hacham doesn't mean the one who listens and likes. That's not what Shomeyat le'etzah hacham means. Shomeyat, this word Shomeyat by etzah means the one who accepts etzah. The one who is willing to accept advice from the right channel even though he doesn't like it. Shomeya le'etza means I accept it even if I disagree. That's what it means, Shomeya. It doesn't mean if I hear advice and after I chew on it, I say, oh, wow, that makes sense. I like that. That's no longer called advice. You should know people have the wrong definition of what the word advice means. The word advice doesn't mean Someone tells you, and then you think about it, and you say, oh, that makes sense. I like it. That's not called following advice. That's called learning. You learned something. You didn't realize it before. Now you understand it. You didn't understand it five minutes ago, but after you spoke to this person, you understand it. So now you're doing it because of you. That's not called following advice. That's called following what you understand. Happens to be five minutes ago, you didn't understand. And now you understand. Someone woke you up. He put a light bulb. That's not called following advice. People have a whole misunderstanding of what it means to follow advice. If I ask you, do you follow advice? You say, yeah, of course, all the time. But remember, Following advice doesn't mean when you understand something that you didn't understand before and now you follow it. That's not called following advice. That's called following what you understand. Following advice by definition means that you don't understand. It means that you don't even agree. But you're following advice. Because you trust the person who's advising you. If you agree to it, it's not called following advice. Following advice doesn't mean, let me hear what you have to say, and if I agree with it, I'll do it. That's not called following advice. That's called learning. Because I'm ignorant. I don't know anything about this. Could you tell me something about it? So after I understand it, I go and do it. It's not following advice. If someone comes to me for advice and I advise them and they have to think about it and they like it, they see it and they do it, that's called the S for advice, but it's not called following advice. I didn't say it's bad. 
I didn't say, by the way, okay, let me be clear. I didn't say it's bad to ask someone advice and they clarify to you and you do it because you understand it. That's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. God forbid, one more time. Let's clarify. If somebody asks for advice and they understand the advice and they do it based on that understanding, it's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. But that's not called following advice. All I'm saying is that's called following what you now understand. You know, let, let's put it in steps. Let's be clear. Number one, you have a guy who's stubborn, who doesn't think there's anyone in the world besides him that understands anything. He will never ask advice. He will never ask to learn. He'll never go to a class too. And if he goes to a class, it's only to test the rabbi, to see if the rabbi agrees to it. Okay? That's the kind of guy he is. You know guys like that. Category one is a guy who has his way set. He's not asking anybody. He's got blinders, like Avi said. He's going straight. He's not looking not to the right, not to the left, because he knows whatever he thinks must be correct. Guy number one is a stubborn mule who just goes forward, doesn't want to see anybody, not to the right, not to the left. And even when he goes to learn, he just kind of wants to check out to make sure the other people are on the right page. That's how he listens to people speak. That's how he reads books. Just want to make sure that the world is not going off the dead end. To make sure they're on the right way. And he basically checks off what he thinks is correct. And he exits what he doesn't like. Whether he does it with his pen or with his mind makes no difference. That's the way guy number one operates. No, Teddy, Teddy, you don't know anybody like this? Okay. This is real. This is the normal person. This is the average Joe. That's what the average Joe, that means the rabbi gets up to speak in front of a thousand people. You can expect that the majority overwhelmingly are people of this nature. That's the reality. Okay. That's why a lot of rabbis feel the necessity, and they're not wrong, or not fully wrong, they have to reach the people where they are. It means you have to tell them things they do understand. Otherwise, they don't even listen to you anymore. So there is, there is such a reality. And like I said, it could be a good strategy. But that's not really what it's supposed to be. It's basically people that have a handicap. So you have to try to help them. They're on a wheelchair, so you got to push them a little bit. But in a, in, in a real world of Emet, it shouldn't matter where they are. It doesn't make a difference where they are. They should be there listening to know where you are. That's why they came there. But anyway, that's not the reality for most people. So guy number one, stubborn, he's not listening, he's not asking for advice, he doesn't care. But and even when he listens, like I told you, it's just to make sure. The second guy is a good guy. He understands already the first Shema that we explained. He understands. He's not stubborn like that. He understands that he could be wrong in his thinking. So what does he do? He asks for advice. When he asks for advice, it's a good step, right? But he will only follow the advice if he understands it. And if he likes it. And if he likes it, if he, likes it he understands it. Good. Definitely better than the first guy, right? But he hasn't really hit the right way to be. The right way to be, that's why I'm saying the second Shema is not to listen. 
This guy, if we were to follow his way, we would say, the first Shema is to understand that you don't know everything. The second Shema is to listen. And then the third Shema is to understand. Notice I didn't say that. The second Shema, excuse me, is to accept. If you do listen and then accept, that's not called following advice. That's called listening. If you like what you hear, then you accept it. That's called following what you understand. The highest level, the highest level, what's wrong, by the way, what's wrong with that level? What's wrong with that level is based on your first Shema, on your first predicament, who knows if what you're not liking is good for you. You talk to a fellow going out with the wrong girl or a girl going out with the wrong guy for the, the wrong person. You talk to them, you talk to them, and they don't get it. But what does that mean? Who says that because you don't get it, therefore it's wrong? You're not in a position sometimes in life to really understand what that person is saying. Either because it's so deep, or maybe because it's very in the future visionary, or maybe because you're so caught up in where you are, you can't see it. That's why this, this type of system of listening only when you understand is better than not asking, but it's extremely faulty. It's not going to guarantee you success. We're here to guarantee success in life. We're not here to say, oh, do what's better. We're here to do what's going to bring success 100%. So that's why we say the second Shema is you have to accept the advice even if you don't like it. You have to accept the advice even if you don't understand it. Accept. Now, for, for a, that's hard. You, now, in order to be able to do that, you first have to go through the right system of choosing the right person. You obviously cannot walk around the streets and accept the advice of any person that gives you and expect to be committed to whatever they say, no matter what. That's ridiculous. So the strength of the second Shema means to be able to accept something from someone even though you don't like it, the strength has to come from the way you chose that advisor. How did you get to this person? If you just saw some random person, maybe he's your friend, maybe he's your cousin, maybe he's your father, and he gave you advice, of course you're not going to accept whatever they say. Because what makes them any better than you? But if you choose the advisor properly, if you know how to choose an advisor properly, that will give you the strength to take what that person says, even if you don't like it. So the first, once you know you need advice, and once you know that you need to accept the advice, no matter what the outcome of that advice is, no matter what that guy is going to say, you're going to accept it. Once you know that, then basically it forces you to make sure you choose the right person. The, the second guy who only listens when he understands, you don't need much effort 
to choose an advisor of that type. Because ultimately, if you like it, you'll do it. You don't like it, you don't do it. So you don't need to invest, huh? And they, right, right, right. And oh, great, it's a great point. And you might even choose as an advisor of someone that thinks like you. So it's a very faulty type of system. Right? Good. And for that system, you don't need to invest so much in who's your advisor because ultimately you're not following him anyway. But if you go in the third system, if I'm going to accept someone as my advisor and I'm going to follow no matter what, oh, that one is going to require some heavy lifting in the beginning of the process. You got to make sure that you chose the right person. Otherwise, how are you going to listen blind? That's where the, that's where the avodah is. The real work is in choosing someone that you're ready to go blindly on the area that you asked him. That's a big deal. Is there a way that I can choose such a person and be able to follow? So it needs, that person needs two qualifications. Two qualifications. Before I can accept you, as my advisor, I'm going to follow you no matter what. You need to have two qualifications. Number one, you have to be the type of person that if I fail, it's going to hurt you. If I fail, you're not going to sleep at night. You have to be that kind of person that if I follow your advice and I fail, it's going to hurt you tremendously which knocks out most of humanity. If there's 8 billion people in the world, we just knocked out everybody minus how many people are left that actually would be hurt and couldn't sleep at night if you failed. How many people you have? Two people. Two. You're only your parents. You're saying your wife wouldn't care about That night. Unbelievable. Okay. Okay, I see some people are saying two, father and mother. I assume some people might even say wife. I said, how many people in your life, if they see that you failed, would not be able to sleep at night because they're so bothered? Right, so how many people do we have? That's what we're wondering. Some guys said one. Some guys put two up. Maybe ten. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have a brother. Maybe you have a sister. Maybe, maybe you have children that care about you. Could be. Oh, oh. Or, 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 there can be another person not related to you. It's a person who follows the halakha of the ahavta l'reacha kamocha. Someone, someone who follows the halakha of you need to love another person like you love yourself, that kind of person, if they give you advice, they will treat the advice as if they're advising themselves. They will think very hard before they tell you. You see, a person who doesn't care about you that much, okay, they don't think that hard. What do you think? Should I buy the stock? 
Yeah, why not try it? Why not? What does he care? You win, you lose. It makes no difference. It doesn't make enough difference. Enough difference. First of all, you should know there are many people who give the wrong advice because they don't want to see you succeed. That's number one. You must, you must know that. They advise you to trip you. Yes, maybe, maybe not directly on purpose, but in the back of their mind, they have maybe Ajbanot. You have to know that, that's for sure. Not every guy who talks to you is giving you advice. It could be he tells you buy the building and he wants to get rid of it. Maybe he's making commission on it. You cannot believe every person because you don't even know. Not forget if, they, if they're hurt, if you spill. They may be tripping you in what they're telling. The, so if the person doesn't care for you and love you or doesn't practice they're simply not going to think hard enough before they speak. And they're also going to be able this type of person to say, I don't know. I'm too scared to make that decision. I don't know. I got to go study or go ask somebody else. But someone who doesn't care enough about you will rely on their superficial understanding of your question. Again, I'm not talking to the guy who wants to trip you. That guy, forget about it. But even if he doesn't want to trip you, he may rely on his superficial understanding and not really go into depth and therefore unreliable. Not a reliable person. I can't trust that person. So that's number one. Number one qualification before I can put that trust is that you have to be a person who really would be upset if I fail. And the second thing that a person must have is that they have to be expert. An expert and have shown success in the area that you're asking, right? You're not going to ask your mother which masechet you should start learning, right? You go to your mother and you say, Mom, I'm starting to learn Gemara now. It's a very big decision. The rabbi asked me, you want to start with Berachot? You want to start with Shabbat? Berachot is all blessings. Son, what, what's Berachot all about? It's all about blessings and prayer. Shabbat, you know, is about the halachot of Shabbat. Your mother says, you know, I love blessings. You know I love blessings. Blessings are the most important things in life. There's nothing grandpa always told me, get blessings. Start with berachot. What does that advice equal? Zero. But it comes from a well-meaning person who loves you very much. But they don't know anything what they're talking about. Unreliable. Your mother is not reliable for which masechet you should start learning. For a simple reason. Because she knows nothing about it. She has no experience. What are you asking her? When you ask someone, they have to be experienced and successful in what they're advising you. Do not go to the Hollywood Shalom Bayit expert. There's a woman in Hollywood. She is. She, you, can't get a, you can't get an appointment with her. I mean, there's a lot of Shlom Bayit issues in, the, in Hollywood, you understand. She's been divorced four times. She's an expert. She's an expert in what you shouldn't be doing. You don't go to that person for advice. You got to know what to do. To be able to rely on someone, they have to have proven success in that area. 
or they have enough wisdom to know success in that area. Those qualifications is the only way you could trust someone blindly. They have to care about it. Just like when your father would give you a stack of paper, 100 pages, and says to sign on the last page. Usually, normal relationships with a father, they don't ask, by the way, Dad, what am I signing? Can you first tell me, I'm not signing. What, what does it say? Right? Someone who asks his father, what does it say? Is something wrong in that relationship? Because if you trust your father and you know that he loves you, you would not ask, what are you signing? For sure, you know your father has your best interest. A father, with all the love that he has, may not be an expert in the area he's making you sign. Right, so it may be wise to ask him for that reason. But I'm telling you that most people would sign without asking their father. Most people would sign. Because they don't have even a doubt that their father thought it through. But you're right. Even in that case, there is room to say the father may not know what he's talking about. You're right. You're right. So he doesn't piss 100% the top advisor. <laughs> Once you've reached that person for whatever you're asking, once you've reached such a person, which like already we said, not very many people that you can have such a reality with. Once you've reached such a person, then your attitude is, I am going to listen. I'm going to listen to the etzah, not to what I like. I'm going to listen to the advice. No matter what, I'm listening to that person. That is the second Shema. And actually, actually, if you look in the Midrash, the Midrash says, or at least seems to be saying, that this is the point that separated Yaakov Avinu, the great Yaakov Avinu, from all the others. What made Yaakov Avinu so big, so special? He's one of the legs of the Kisea Kavod of Hashem's royal throne, whatever that means, but he was a very big man. We are called Benei Yaakov. He is the father of our nation. What's so special about him? The Midrash seems to say that what made Yaakov, or what is the reason behind Yaakov's greatness, is the following pasuk. No one would have ever thought of such a pasuk. It says at the end of Parashat Toledot, it says over there that um, Yaakov was advised by his father and mother that he should leave and go to Aisav, run away from his brother, excuse me, run away from Aisav and go live by Laban because Aisav is uh, planning to kill him. And uh, they told him, they told him he should go. His father told him, his mother told him, he should leave where he is, leave his home, leave his friends, leave his whatever he was doing. The Fasuk says, on this story, something interesting, which again, you, if we would read this Fasuk, probably we wouldn't notice anything here, and maybe we would even think it's not so necessary. 
הפסוק says, וישמע יעקב אל אביו ואל אמו, after we were told how his father and mother advised him. So the pasuk says, and Yaakov listened to his father and his mother. And he went to Padan Aram. So this pasuk we might say is even superfluous, not necessary. We already know they told him. So obviously, if we know they told him, and he went. So obviously he listened to them. You don't have to say, and he listened to them, and he went. If he went, obviously he listened. If you tell your, you tell your son, go get me something on the store, and he goes to get it, so obviously he listened. You don't have to say, and he listened and went to the store. But in this pasuk it says, he listened to his father and mother, and he went to Badana. Says the Midrash, that this pasuk is what put Yaakov Avinu as the great Yaakov Avinu. Why? But what's in this pasuk? Says the Midrash, Vayishma Yaakov He listened to his father and mother. Which kind of listen? The second listen, the second Shema, which means that Yaakov Avinu did not agree. He didn't like what his father and mother told him. He didn't agree he should run away from Isav. He didn't agree that was the right way to proceed in such a situation. Maybe I'll get bodyguards. Maybe I'll protect myself. He didn't feel this was... Isav could follow him there too. He didn't agree with it. He didn't see it. Can't blame him. He didn't see it. But says... Which means he didn't do it because he agreed. The only reason why he went is because they told him. Because he trusted his father and mother. He saw them as the appropriate advisors because oh, they had the two qualifications that we spoke about. He saw Yitzhak and Rivka as such people. And because of that, he just went. Even though he didn't like it. He went with full fire. Why? Because he trusted them and he accepted their advice. Says the Midrash, that's what made Yaakov Avinu, the great Yaakov Avinu. The Midrash says on this pasuk, Even though he wanted something else, but he followed their advice, even though he didn't like it. And the Midrash compares this great success with a person who had a failure, even though he was a great person, but he made a mistake. And the Midrash points out that mistake, that if not for that mistake, he would have been even greater. And it was the story of Shimshon. Shimshon wanted to marry a certain woman. His parents told him, it's not the right woman for you. He said to his, he said to his parents, I want her because that's the, he yashra be'ina yashar. This is the one that I think that is the right one for me. And in the end, he had he suffered because why? Not because he married her. Because he didn't listen to his father and mother. He didn't follow the second Shema. So the second Shema is very critical that we don't mix it up. Again, like I told you, if you have the first Shema and you switch over the second Shema, you're not terrible. You're better. You're better than most. But it's not enough. The second Shema has to be, I accept 
the person and I'm going to listen even though I don't agree. I have to choose the right person for that and then I'm able to proceed to the next Shema, which is to listen. Now I could listen because now I'm able to follow even if I don't understand. Have a wonderful day.